All right, hey everyone, my name is Lena Ebuchamra. I hope we've met before. If not, welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. And today we are going to have a fun show. Every week I ask somebody to join me and we sort of focus on hope and we have some difficult conversations and we wrestle through some interesting conversation and controversial topics. But today is pure fun. And that is because Annie Downs is here. And if you know anything about fun, you know that she's the girl to bring to talk about fun. Annie, I'm going to tell them a little bit about you and then I'll bring you into the conversation. Yeah, well, listen, um, Annie is at Target. And so as far as I'm concerned, that's (laughs) pretty the level of excellence that all of us have fired to be. But seriously, I was at Target recently and saw her book. Uh, it was actually a year ago at Christmas. I saw her book there. Y'all may be familiar with her Hundred Days to Brave. And she has walked through thousands upon thousands of women through the Hundred Days to Brave. So she's going to talk to us in a bit about how to be brave. I met Annie at some conferences that we've spoken at and she is exactly alike in personal, when you meet her in person as she is on her social media and on her um, yeah, stage presence, which to me says the most about a person. Of course, you can look at her stats and her bio, but I really am just so happy to introduce you to her today as my friend. Annie, it is fun to have you on this side of the podcast. Oh, thanks, Lena. I'm so glad to be here. I, I One of the best parts about our job is when we get to travel and meet friends and coworkers like we've gotten to do a couple of times. I'm just so grateful. Yeah, we, we, we do. We, I mean, I'm telling you, you're one of those people that's so down to earth. And when I met you, I feel like I've known you forever. And is that what people oh, always thanks. tell you? Um, you know, it, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, th- it often is more like people feel embarrassed because they'll say, oh, I feel like we're already friends. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's exactly what I want. Like that, <laughs> that means we are doing this right because I want to have a presence online when you meet me in person the same that where people feel like we're friends because I think you trust your friends and so that always feels like a huge compliment and I'm so grateful well and I wanted to introduce you and I forgot to mention but you are like this confetti girl like if anybody that comes to mind I just love fun and so any and to me even if you have to like you know a couple of months ago one of my sinks clogged and I was like get a confetti popper and pop it and let's just talk about why it's okay and why we're gonna survive and and so you know I just think it it means a lot to be able to find fun in the life you already have Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. So did you use a confetti popper to fix the sink? Or you were just <laughs> right over the sink? I was like, we're going to be all right. We're just going to pop some confetti right here. We are going to be fine. How did you become so fun? Or is it is it something that you worked on? Or were you naturally born with a propensity for fun? You know, I think there is, well, if we want to, you know, you know me, and I love to talk about Enneagram. So being an Enneagram 7, which is what I am, I kind of am an entertainer by nature. And I, and I run from pain toward fun. And so in my most unhealthy places, that's when I binge all sorts of things, because I'm trying to avoid pain. But when it's in health, you know, uh, I just love, I genuinely love having fun. And I love inviting other people into fun. And so oh. I, I think some of it is learned and some of it is a skill that as I matured and realized like, no, this isn't because you're like a kid. It's because you, you have, there is childlike qualities in you that are good. Once I got around that in my heart, because I think Lena, so much of my like late teenager years and mid twenties years, I thought, why am I not growing up like everybody else? Why am I still silly? And why am I like, what, what is wrong with me that I'm not, um, that I haven't stopped having fun. And then as I actually did continue to grow up, I went like, oh wait, like God makes some of us like this. So instead of like trying to fight that, what if that was just who you were? 
Right. Yeah. Like there's a the Winnie the Pooh and the Eeyore and I'm That's, like hundred percent Eeyore and you're like hundred percent Winnie the Pooh. Right. That's why we like each other though. Right. Because I need you to remind me that like the world needs my attention in a very important, powerful way. And I need to remind you that like, that's good. But on Thursday nights, we can also go play putt-putt. You know, like we need, I'm like, fun, fun. what are you going to do fun, fun for? <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think that's one of the most fun parts is we, we can learn that from each other. But for me, it was already in me, but it was also, um, it, it has also been part of me accepting that, that a grown up, mature, um, healthy Annie can also really prioritize being fun. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and I'm sure some of my listeners might be more familiar to you than others. We have a, a pretty good sort of middle-aged group of women that listen in. And so I want to, you know, I, I sort of want to tell them the story of Annie, because they may not be on social media as much, especially Instagram is your big platform. And so back up a bit and tell me a bit about your coming to Jesus moment. You know, how did you grow up in the church? Did you come to know mm-hmm. Jesus later? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in the church and I became a Christian at five and I really meant it. I remember it very clearly. I'm 38 now, so it's 33 years ago. And I remember it very well. But Lena, I think you may have heard me say this before, but I often say to people like, it's not because I was a good kid. It's because the Lord was like, I need to go ahead and get her before she turns 16. Like, I don't want to deal with her (laughs) as a non-Christian, as a teenager. It would be too risky for the planet. And so he just grabbed me early and his kindness called to me early. And I mean, it, it didn't mean that I did everything well growing up, but I did know that that relationship with God was going to be the most important thing in my life. And it has been what has sustained me, what is made. And that feels real Christian to say, but, but it is, it is the relationship that has been the most consistent across the entirety of my life and has protected me from things and walks me toward good things. And, um, so God has been a consistent friend from the, so you went to, did you go to a Christian college? Like, okay, you grow up and go to college. What did you want to be and do? I actually went to public school most of my life. And then, okay. and I f- actually finished at a private high school. I grew up in Atlanta and I finished at a private high school my last two years, but I went to university of Georgia. So I went to a big, you know, massive. Was that the Bulldogs? Yes. It's the Bulldogs. Go dogs. Sick them. I love them. Yeah, they're great. And, um, and so I, I went to this bigger school, but pretty quickly found a small, a smaller Christian community within the school. Uh, a bunch of my friends from my growing up youth group life also attended Georgia and were a part of a campus ministry called the Wesley Foundation, which is technically the Methodist foundation um, on college campuses, though we weren't necessarily all Methodist by any means. But we, that is, and that is really those four years, as with most anyone, the four years, if you go to college, those four years shape you so much. And that really massively shaped my spiritual life. And so that, so while I was in a big university, I was in a very incubator type spiritual environment that took me on mission trips that changed my life and, and walked me through pain toward healing that changed my life. And and whoa, whoa, okay, so hold on a little. Like, what kind of pain did you go through college? You sound your your upbringing sound is so idyllic. Yeah, like, no, 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 no. I didn't say that. I just said that I knew God early. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's very two very different things. I, you know, there's a thing that happens when you grow up in faith where it is very hard to separate. A friend of mine and I were talking about it just last week, and he said, I feel like I really understand grace because of how much I needed it after what I had done when he became a believer after college. And for me, growing up in faith, I feel like maybe what I grew to understand is um, 
is that it's the older brother versus the younger brother in the prodigal son's story, right? Mm -hmm. Where the, both sons are actually lost, but I was more of an older brother of like, man, I'm working so hard for God and I'm being a good girl and I'm not getting rewarded. And look at all these rebellious people who are getting to have a ton of fun and then come back to God and it's like, everything's fine. And that's not really how it yeah. goes. But on the outside, it sure looks like that to a 19-year-old who has followed all the rules, but it hasn't gotten the reward she wanted. And so my... What rewards were you expecting? At that time? Like, yes, I wanted more boyfriends and I wanted, um, I wanted to like myself more. And I thought that that was direct mm -hmm. correlation with what God needed to do in me. I wanted to be better at life. I know that sounds crazy, but I just didn't want to sin. I thought, why am I still sinning? That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've been a Christian since I could read. Why am I still making mistakes? And, and I wanted other people, this is terrible, Lena. I hope you'll still be my friend, but I wanted rebellious people to be punished. I didn't want them. I didn't want us to be in the same category. And what I didn't know all along is I was absolutely as lost as them. I just was lost mm -hmm. in a very up close way. And the son who walks away is lost in a very long distance way. And so, right. and so I, that really, for me, so much of my college life was starting to unpack that and going like, okay, so if being a Christian means working for God, but not getting any good things, do I want to keep doing this? Like, do I actually love him or do I work for him? And, and so I spent a lot of my college career in discipleship and in, in some counseling around like, what does it really look like to be a Christian if you get to choose it versus growing up in it and feeling like that was my social group and my closest friends. And, and so that's really what I, the pain that I had to work on in college was, if I, what do we deserve? What do we not deserve? What does grace really look like for the older brother when, when you are close to the father? Wow. That's actually huge to, to wrestle with that and come on, you know, and understand that as a college Still, I mean, it is still the number one. Um, my, my, the first question I ask myself when I am in a bad place. Like if I am in a, um, if some, if I'm frustrated about something, if I'm in a sin pattern that I don't understand, um, I will, the first question I ask is, is this because you feel like the older brother is older brother stuff going mm -hmm. on? Is there something you think isn't fair? Is it, and that is the first question I ask myself and it is almost always right. And what do you do then to wrestle? You just ask God to forgive you and move on. Like, easy, how, right? I mean, I do say that. I do say to God, hey, I, I recognize what's happening here. I'm having some older brother thoughts and and I want to know why. Tell me what I'm missing here. And so I'll, I also um, see my counselor once a month, sometimes twice a month, and I will usually bring it to her. There are on the teaching team in my church in Nashville at Crosspoint. And so we have a very um, open and honest and appropriate relationship between me and the other three teachers. And so there are a lot of times where I can take things to them as well. And they're all men, so I, and they're all married, and I'm single. And and so I can take things to them and some things I take to them and their wives together to help me walk through. And um, I have reliable friends who speak truth into my life. I've kind of intentionally surrounded myself with people who don't always tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> and so I even had you know, breakfast this morning with a friend and she sat down and I was like, I'm going to tell you this and I know what you're going to say, but I have to say it out loud. And she said exactly what I thought she was going to say. She said, you better be careful. And this feels like this feels mm -hmm. like a pattern you're in. And I don't know that you want to do this. And and, but, and she's right. And so I hear her and, um, 
So I am really, yeah. So going back and going back to college for a second. I mean, so, so you, 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 you were a teacher. I know your story a little bit. And I, did you ever think you'd be, before we get to how you got to do what you're doing now, at one point your, your dream was to be a teacher or was that? No, my dream was only to be a teacher. I had no idea this kind of career was coming down the pike to me. I, um, I wanted, since I was in third grade, I wanted to do what my third grade teacher had done because I had loved her so much. And I thought I can, Mm. this is the most fun classroom I've ever been in. I want to make one of these. And so, and so I did that. I never intended to be a public speaker, to be a, um, to be an author to, I mean, you couldn't have, we couldn't have said podcast to ourselves in the eighties and known what we were talking about anyway. Right. So (laughs) it's one of my favorite things about God is he prepares us to be a person for pieces of a career that don't exist when he's preparing us. You just go, it's incredible. So how many years did you teach? I taught for five years. So I did two years of fifth grade and three years of fourth grade. Wow. And was it fun? Oh my gosh, Lena, I loved it so much. I still love it. I still would go back to it if God said, you know, and you've experienced this too, because you're a multi-career kind of woman as well. I have often experienced like if... If God, God has already asked me to leave one career for another career. If he asks me to do that again, to go back to teaching, I'd go, okay, there are things about this current job I would miss dearly, but I know that I love teaching and I love kids and I'm, I'm there are pieces of it. I miss, I don't miss parents. <laughs> I don't miss <laughs> work, but I miss living day in and day out with 30 kids. Um, mm. it was a real gift and a real, um, special part of my life for five years. And so I still keep up with the majority. The best part about only teaching five years is the majority of my kids are on Facebook and I'm in their mid late twenties. And so I see their kids they're having, I see their, I get invited to weddings all the time. I can, if I can get, cause they're only in Georgia. So they're at the most, they're a four hour drive away. And so I've got two on the calendar for this summer that I'm like, the, the idea wow. would even think of their fourth grade teacher to come to their wedding. I'm like, yes. When was the first time you spoke in public or did anything similar to what you're doing now? Yeah. So I started, what's really fun is, and when like people who are, you know, 20 years old who want to do this job say, how do I get into this? I say, well, my entire college career, I was teaching high school Sunday school, right? So I was yeah. teaching five or four weekends a month for 15 kids and nobody knew at your church yeah, at my church. And so then that's honestly how I started writing my first book as well as I wrote a Bible study curriculum for the high school girls at my church. And mm. I, my, I'm a big believer that if you want to do Christian ministry globally, you better be plugged into Christian ministry locally. And I still right. live that way. Like I told you, I'm, I'm on my teaching team at my church. It is how I can participate in what goes on in our local environment. And and I am, and if you aren't plugged into your local church and what God's doing locally, then, then a global ministry won't last long-term, I don't think. And so, right. um, so that's how I started is I started by teaching high school Sunday school and by writing curriculum, like writing a Bible study for high school girls. And my first time I taught a, like a bigger group, the youth minister was sick one Sunday and he just called me and said, Hey, can you do this? Uh, can you do this class for me on Sunday night? Can you do our youth service. And I was like, well, yeah, of course I teach every day. That's the crazy yeah. thing, Lena, is that God has, I am literally good at one thing. I can entertain people long enough that they learn something and that's it. 
So I get to, I, I did that when I taught school. I entertained them until they learned how to spell. I entertained them until they learned the science. We sang song, songs all the time. We made up rhymes all the time. I mean, I, it was my job to entertain the same audience every day for a hundred days and they needed to be different on the other side. I do that exact same thing every day on Instagram. Right. I do the exact same thing on stages, in my podcast, in my books. I have one skill set. God has just found multiple ways for it to be expressed so far. And and so when he asked me to teach a a youth service, I said, yeah, sure. I I can write lesson plans and I can do that. And, And one of those students said, hey, will you come teach at our FCA at my high school this same lesson? And I said, sure. And then one of the kids from that said, will you come to my church? I said, sure. <laughs> and so wow. I just started opening like that. And, and of course, it, there was a turning point where I went, okay, I'm loving this. Do I pursue this as a career? And, okay. and that was a different thing. But really, the start of it was serving the students in my local community, which is incredibly fun. But now you're mostly you do women's, right? I mean, and so at some point things evolved. So talk to us about that journey. When did you, yeah. like, by the time you left teaching, where were you in your speaking career? So follow that. Yes. I'm actually probably in the third iteration of that where I do about half women's event and half um, men and women's together on Sunday mornings or at conferences. And so I started my first, I started this full time. um, Well, let me, I'll back up just a smidge. I have been traveling and speaking in some degree since 2008. So for 11 years, I've been full time since 2012. My full-time job has been writing and speaking since, since April of 2012. So we're right at seven years, um, which is really interesting, Lena, because I'm taking this fall off of speaking and traveling. And wow. it's the first time that I haven't traveled for six months, uh, for, for a six month window since 2011. And, it, but it, it, when I started to, I just felt like the Lord went like, it's been seven years. Let's let the fields rest. Like, Let's take a break, you know, and it, and it feels like a real gift from him that, um, what are you gonna do? well, I'm still going to do the rest of my job. I'm still going to write a book and, um, probably work on a new book and do the podcast and some of the other things that we do. Yeah. Um, I just won't be speaking. Yeah, sure. I'll probably still do. I might do Sundays at my church if my number gets called. Um, but I probably won't do anything else in that season. And just, it, it just feels, I mean, the interesting thing, Lena, is I just feel like the Lord went like, take the fall off and tell everybody that, that, that you're doing it because I told you to, and let's let them see what I do, you know? So I don't know what it's about. Honestly, I just know that I know what he said and he confirmed it through voices that I trust that I, that hear him as well. And, and it is, and it's just turned out to be real interesting. So sorry, that doesn't really answer your question. Okay, but, no, this is great. We're just, I just want to yeah, get into the page yeah. of Annie Downs for the bit that we were talking together. So yeah. how do you hear God's voice? I mean, on that trail, like you, 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 2012, you're, it te- yeah. you feel like, man, I, I, I you, you leave the teaching and, and you didn't have, did you have a life deal? I mean, did you? Oh, no, no, no. I left teaching in 2000. My last year teaching school was the 07, 08 school year. Oh. And I moved to Nashville that year. Atlanta. And those between 2008 and 2012, I worked every kind of side job you can imagine. Like I, I worked at a taco restaurant. I babysat. I did jobs off of Craigslist. I did like science experiments at Vanderbilt university on my body to pay the bills. I mean, I was just hustling, trying to write books, trying to go to writer's conferences. I mean, I really, because I wrote that first curriculum that ended up being my first book in 2006, and it was not on shelves until the fall of 2012. Oh, wow. 
Yes, I had, and honestly, I signed with my first agent in 2009 and we didn't get a book deal for a whole year. I got 47 no's on my first book. 47? You kept kept sending it in? You didn't care? Yeah. Oh yeah. My agent, we just kept going. And after a year, it was like, man, this thing's never going to get picked up. And, and so I modified or you just kept the faith. You kept being like, it's kept going. Yeah. We didn't modify it very much. I think we changed. Well, because I had written it already. Right. So it already existed. I was just trying to get it published. So then in the end of 2010, my parents and I decided like, let's self publish it. And so they paid for it with the understanding I would pay them back. Yeah. And so we self-published it and sold it online and I moved on with my life. Like, well, I tried and it didn't work. And, but this one book that I wrote exists. And so my grandkids someday will have a book on a bookshelf that their grandmother wrote. And then what happened? And then I moved to Scotland. Do you know that part about me? No, tell me. me I don't know that part. Come on, tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was working at a... I, I know you were guilt recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. I do love a good Scottish outfit. But I um, I moved there to help a church plant that was starting and uh, to be a part of what was going on there. And then I also um, was working. I was writing just because writers, when you're a writer, it's just in you. And so I was like, I want to write about this experience, but I don't know. I don't know how to do that particularly when with that, when I'm not going to publish it. So I just started writing word documents about what was going on when I was living there. So I lived there for most of 2011. And then an agent from Nashville called me and said, Hey, there's a publisher. Inter- no, sorry. I moved back home first. I moved back home first in November of 2011. And then I was approached with the publishing deal from Zondervan. And I was like, Wait, oh, what? About, about what? The Scotland writings? No, about the teen book. They had no seen way. how many I had sold online through a self-publishing. They could see it in their reports, you know, from Amazon. And they said, well, if you, you know, maybe we will give this book a look. And I was like, well, that's unfair because I already did the work to sell it myself. Yeah. right? <laughs> but it was also not unfair. It was so generous of them actually to, to go like, hey, maybe she can actually do this more than we think she can. And, um, and they took a risk on me because it was a teen book that nobody knew about. And I was a person nobody knew about. And, and so, so when I moved back from Scotland, I just kind of went like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'd worked at a nonprofit, um, part-time while I was, uh, yeah, I had an apartment in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I just found one on christianflatshare.com. So (laughs) I lived in Edinburgh there. And then I, um, when I moved back home, I kind of went like, okay, God, I don't know what the plan is now. Do I keep working? Like, do I go full time with this nonprofit as their social media person or, and then we got the book offer and I went, oh, okay, well maybe I will do something with this book. And then about a month after that, so this is still the end of 2011, there was a tour for teen girls that used to exist called uh, Girls of Grace. That was my point of grace. That The amazing, like long-term, beautiful women that are in that um, Christian group. I just adore them. And I got an invite. I grew up on Point of Grace. Yes, they're amazing, right? And they're still doing it. (laughs) They are. They're the best of the right, right. right. And so they they had a teen girl conference that traveled about two weekends a month for the whole school year. And so then they booked me on that and I went, oh, okay, God, I guess we are trying this after all. Which ended up being really good, Lena, because that 2011 window of time, what God did when I thought I wasn't going to get to be an author or a speaker was separate my identity from my career mm. where it got to be like, well, if that's not who I am, who am I? 
And if I'm Annie, the author, which is what I told everybody in Nashville, because that's what I moved here for, but everything was failing. If I'm not Annie, the author, who am I? Yeah. And so that was most of 2011. And so then in 2012, when all of a sudden God hands it back to me, I was like, well, this is surprising. And I am significantly healthier than I'd have been if he'd have done this when I wanted him to. And so he, um, so then 2012 perfectly unique comes out and I am on that tour for that whole year. Um, during that year, they booked me for the next year and Zondervan asks me to write another teen book. Mm. Meanwhile, this adult book, um, about living in Scotland that I have been working on. So we start pitching that. And then really Lena, it was like being tied to the front of a train from then on out. It was like, well, now we're speaking at conferences and events and now I need to get a booking agent. Now I need to get a business manager because I don't know how to manage this money. I didn't, you know, I studied an elementary school teacher. I didn't know how to do any of this. So now I've, now I have a bunch of people in my career who are experts at what they do because I don't know how to do anything. Right. Right. And what do you, uh, what do you feel like even now you look at where you are and like sort of like you had this desire and God puts it on hold and brings it to pass. What do you think like, what does he want you to accomplish in your life? Do you know, like, what is the vision that you still have for God? You've done so much now, right? I mean, yeah. I, um, you know, I feel pretty, I, one of the beautiful things, and you, you probably know this about life too, is one of the, one of the best things about not being 20 anymore and growing up and, and becoming a woman is, is every year I am more and more sure of who I am and why I'm on this planet. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it has really refined for me in the last couple of years. And so I think God's biggest ask on my life is to be fully Annie and to chase a relationship with him and invite people to watch that process. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not an expert on anything with God, but I'm, I am an expert on being Annie. And I'm the only one who knows how to do it. And God has to teach me how to do it. And, and I make a lot of mistakes and people see it. And, and, and really my, I, my lane is so far as I understand it is go out there and be Annie and invite other people to watch the journey of getting to know God better. What are some things you do to get to know God better? Yeah. So for me, that looks like, uh, relationships, being in relationship with other people. It is studying the word, being plugged into my local church, asking God to teach me how to pray. It's like the, you know, the disciples could have asked Jesus, anything, teach us how to preach, teach us how to heal. And they said, teach us how to pray. Right. And so I ask him that I think, I think part of it is just being honest about the, you can, you know, what does the scripture say? The Lord man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And so the best I can do is say to people like, Hey, here's some things I'm trying. Here's what I want to do with my life. Here's a book about the story that I just lived and, and let God order my steps. So then when things bump in and a tragedy happens or a disappointment happens, um, that they, my friends who are on the other side of Instagram or on the other side of the podcast or on the other side of, um, my story, see that too. A great example is about three years ago, um, our pastor left our church Mm -hmm. and I can't pretend on my podcast that that doesn't affect me. And so I had some pastors come in and go, help me walk this. How do you do this when your pastor leaves? Mm -hmm. And that was really public. And the cool thing was because of that, when God told an extraordinary story of bringing a new pastor, everyone got to watch that too. Hmm. And, and so that, that is the uh, really visible story of, of how I think God has, um, 
has me to use my life. Right. Be honest about what you're living with wisdom and with, you know, don't everybody's business isn't everybody's business. So be careful with privacy versus intimacy and, and be careful with being vulnerable with your life, but not everybody's lives. And, and when you do all that, can you let people in enough that they can see God working in someone's life where they go, my life doesn't look just the same, but if God will do that for her, I bet he would do something like that for me too. Yeah. How, what is something that if people knew about you might surprise them? I sleep in socks every night. People hate <laughs> sleeping in socks. People really love sleeping in socks. And so um, that I think would surprise people. I, what else? Um, I, you know, the funny thing, Lena, is I think most of the friends who are listening that already know me, they pretty much know everything. Um, <laughs> they're, they're probably making the list. They're like, wait, Annie, we got an answer for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, my dating life is pretty private, but that's more because it doesn't just involve me. Yeah. It's You have a dating of, life? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And look at her so, over. Uh, we all notice that she's like, "Wait, Annie, did you just say you're dating someone?" Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I don't have a boyfriend by any stretch. No. But, um, but, well, but well, there well, is. Let's go there for a second. I mean, you are single. Uh, tell us a bit about that. You never expected to be single at 38, or was that? Like, talk no, about I didn't. No, no, this was not the plan. Um, I did not expect this to be my life at all, and. I will tell you what I can, and you and I have talked about this before, but good thing I have two hands because in one hand I can hold all the things I thought my life would be, but they aren't mm -hmm. and be disappointed about that. And in the other hand, I can hold all the things that I didn't know my life would ever be. And I love it. Yeah. You know? That's and true. so there, and both are really true. And I think that's working out your salvation is going like, there are things that I want that I do not have. And there are things that I have that I do not deserve. And that's where I live right now. And, and so I, um, I did not expect to still be single at 38. I really hope I get married and I am unsure about what having kids would look like for me, but I am really hopeful that, and I already experienced family in some really beautiful ways, but I do hope someday to have my own family. Yeah. And you're not afraid to admit it. I think that's really admirable because like, do you worry? What if you don't find someone or you just say to heck with it? I'm going to have fun in the process. Yeah. I think so far what I've experienced in dating is there's always one more coming. If this one doesn't <laughs> Sincerely, practically speaking for so many single women follow this yeah. industry. And so, I mean, are you for dating sites? How do you pick through time? I think being on dating sites is a really helpful thing on a couple of levels. It, maybe it, I think the feedback I often get when we talk about this kind of like online dating or not is it, there is some depends on where you live a little bit in big cities where it's very part of the culture. It's no big deal at all, but in smaller yeah. cities, it's not as well used. And, and so you have to expand your mileage and all that kind of stuff. But, but there's a book called, uh, how to find a date worth keeping, I think by Henry cloud about the, the author of boundaries. And it really yeah. changed my perspective on online dating because it really is about if you only meet one man in 2019, the likelihood of marrying him is probably pretty slim unless it's miraculous. But if you meet 20, <laughs> you're going to have a way better chance of one of them being the right guy or one of them being the roommate of the right guy or the brother of the right guy or the best friend of the right guy. And so I am a big believer in getting your numbers up and being, um, and being, 
open at all times if that's what you want. If you're in a season where you're like, man, I don't want to be dating right now. Don't tell me that. Don't. Okay. I won't. But if you yeah, wish you were dating, you don't have to wish you were dating. There are ways you can be on dates and be meeting people um, if you're willing to be a part of that and be active in that. But but you can't just sit at home unless you want to date the pizza guy or the mailman, you know? And right. so, yeah, so I believe online dating's good and healthy. And I think the quicker you get it offline and in person for a coffee or for a meal, the better you shouldn't. I, I think sometimes we take it a little too seriously and try to know everything about a guy before we go on a date. And I think right. the wiser move is, okay, we both connected enough on here. And I don't think you're a scary person. Let's meet up in public. And let's. What are you looking for in a husband? Uh, the list gets shorter the older I get, Lena. How about you? <laughs> I, I rather say you're not existent anymore. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, you know, that's how older than you are. I am. So that for me, the list. Um, a man of faith is the is the is a non-negotiable to me. Uh, partly because I think it really because that's the most important relationship in my life. And I actually had a non-Christian friend of mine a few years ago say he, he was married and to a Christian woman and he, and they had divorced and he said, I'm going to give you the best dating advice. I wish someone would have given me. And I said, okay. And he said, Annie, you have to marry a Christian. And I was kind of like, yeah, 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 I'm going to, why, why, why wouldn't I? And he said, well, my wife married a non-Christian and we've lived on two different maps, our entire relationship. Wow. And I thought, oh man, coming from a man who's not a believer to go, hey Annie, you don't want you don't want a guy who doesn't believe what you believe because it makes it makes it it is hard to put together two lives already. It's significantly harder when you have two different maps you're working off of. And so, right. so that is a non-negotiable to me. I have some more negotiable things like I like guys with tattoos and guys that play the piano and. Um, but I don't, I mean, none of that really matters. I want him to love Jesus and have a job and maybe, yeah. um, yeah, love Jesus, have a job. I'd like him to live in Nashville just cause I feel like God's put my life here. The list is a man of faith, a man with a, who has a job that he cares about and works hard. Cause I care about my job and work hard. And, um, and I'd like him to be in Nashville, but that's not, I mean, that's the one that's least right. like. But you want him to be fun, right? I mean, that's your whole. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, I want him to. I want us to have fun. Um, right. I, but I can, I can provide a lot of those ideas. He just has to say yes, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I think fun really matters. But I've noticed in the last few men that I've spent time with that that fun is pretty easy for them. But it's not a. But that so that's who I keep being attracted to. But that's not necessarily on my list. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's helpful. That's good. Well, what, um, like you travel a lot you meet a lot of women and, and men all over the United States. You go to a lot of churches. What's your, like, give me sort of your feel on what, how is, how are Christians doing in the United States in this particular culture to 2019? Christians in general or singles? No Christians in general. Like what are we, what, you know, what is the heartbeat of, of you do a lot of talks with a lot of people like do you feel a high spiritual temperature do you think people are you know we read a lot of reports people leaving the church or what's your take on christianity i think that there is a shift happening in america a, a little bit of a division um which feels both right and wrong and i'm not sure i quite understand how where where i where we where i want to stand on it yet but but there does seem to be a um a separation in evangelical life and in Christian life. And it, it, for me, it's very hard and it's sad to, to 
to see some things, you know, Beth Moore does a great job talking about things that are your spine and things that are ribs. You can, the things that are spine things we've got to agree on and the things that are rib things we don't. And so often it feels like faith people are taking rib things and making them a spine. And you go like, no, if we don't agree on this, that is okay. Like, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he died and rose again? Do you believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God? You know, there's some of those things that you go like, yeah, we can't move on this. And, um, or, or we're way off the same page. And, and I think we're probably on the same page with other believers more than we think we are. But to me, it seems like what, what I'm seeing, and again, it's just such a small percentage of, of the world outside of Nashville. What I'm seeing in outside when I'm on the road is the people who are passionate in their local churches are really passionate about God and they really mean it. And they care about their non-believing friends and they are close to them. And, and I feel like I'm seeing more and more people who have really close friendships with non-believers, which I think is beautiful. Um, and here, here in Nashville, we're kind of having a unique experience, Lena, because do you know that we, that 450 churches here in Nashville just fasted and prayed together for 30 days mm-hmm. for revival? Have you heard the story? No, tell me. Isn't that insane? 450 churches all together from January 25th to March 20, uh, sorry, from January 25th to February 25th. Uh, fasted and prayed together and followed along with the same readings every day. And I mean, something like over 40,000 people fasted and prayed together. And so we're seeing some unique God things happening here in Nashville. So, so my, my Christian meter is probably a little skewed right now because I'm seeing people talk about revival in a very casual, oh yeah, revival's coming kind of way, which probably isn't a countrywide experience. But, but, but in Nashville, that is what our churches, 450 different churches are together believing God for revival here. And so we're just seeing a little bit of a different outpouring and a little bit of a different connection with each other than I think would, is probably happening in other cities. What does that revival look like to you? I can't wait to see. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, people often picture like stadiums full of people worshiping. And and I think that's true. I think we could see that. I think we will see, to go back to the prodigal son's story, I think we will see younger brothers come home and older brothers get right with God too. Mm-hmm. So I think we will see an increase in um, people who go to church. I think we may just see, I think we may see an increase in favor over what God does in, in the outpouring of art from Nashville. I think we will see more people come to this city. I don't know. I, you know, I think there's a lot of traditional ways. If you go back and study revival, a lot of times there's a lot of patterns that you see over and over of what God does. And so I think if we look in the pattern of what revival has looked like across the world, over across the generations, there is people coming to Christ in mass number. And so I think we will, see that, but I also think we'll see families restored and I think we'll see friendships restored. And I think we'll see a flourishing that we aren't seeing in our city yet. We have a lot of women in our city who want to get pregnant. And a lot of women in our church who want to get pregnant. And I go, okay, maybe when revival comes, it'll look like a lot of babies too. Maybe it's not just the lost son coming home, but it's us raising the next generation of believers and and multiplying Christendom in that way and Christ followers in that way. So I don't know, Lena, I think, I think to only expect it to fill a stadium is to under undermine all the other ways God could show us revival. But, but history also says it is a mass, a mass uh, returning of people to Christ. 
I pray it happens. That's exciting. And I pray with you guys. I, I didn't you. realize that was happening there. I'll link to read about it. If you go to awakennashville.com, you can kind of see what we prayed. And I mean, it is, it has been, I, I just have never seen a city do anything like this. And right. it is the, it has been really cool. Cause then you're like, I'm hungry today, but so are like tens of thousands of my neighbors. You know? so, and the other cool thing, Lena, sorry, I'm talking so much, but the other cool thing is every single thing that happens, you go, is that God? Like even my waitress at the restaurant the other day was like, oh yeah, I'm pregnant. I'm having a little boy. And I thought, okay, am I supposed to pay attention to this? Like, is God like, are you, are you someone that God's going to bring in revival when, when revival strikes here? Like what's my role in your life now? And it was just my waitress. So I think it also has opened our eyes to what's going on in the city. That's awesome. Well, that that's that's really exciting. Uh, that fills me with hope. I mean, that is my heart and prayer. What are, yeah. we're coming towards the end, so I just want to sort of a couple of um, big pieces of advice you'd give people um, from what you've learned about in your life. Like, what are a couple of things that you wish you knew when you were growing up? Yeah. So to me, I I'll give you some practical, uh, not as deep, and some deep ones. I do think uh, a piece of advice I would give everyone is find a way to have fun every day. Mm. It doesn't have to be big fun. You don't have to go to a water park every day. But even if it's just going on a walk in your neighborhood or playing 20 minutes of a video game or reading a book or sitting in the sunshine or seeing a friend or whatever, just even on the worst days, can you find a little hit of fun somewhere? Because it will change your day. Um, But I would also say you need to wash your face every night because you don't get another one of those. So make sure you wash your face and, and ask God to teach you how to pray there. That is, I mean, God, a couple of things that I love reminding him in scripture is he says that if we will ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us abundantly. The only place he says we can test him is in tithing. So we should be giving generously and watching him provide for us. And then asking, um, asking how to pray, asking him to teach us how to pray. So I'm asking him for wisdom. I'm asking him to make me more generous and I'm asking him to teach me how to pray. That's pretty awesome advice. I actually like it. I, I'm going to take you up on the fun one. Sometimes I forget to have fun. That's really good. Yeah, call me anytime. Let me be your coach. I coach Jenny <laughs> Allen on fun too. I can do it. I can teach you. I'm, I, I, I might be a challenge. I'd be, it'll be like special ed student. In <laughs> That's okay. Here's okay. Yep, yep. Even if it's just five minutes. Even if it's just yeah, five you, minutes. You're traveling this season in the fall, so you got plenty of extra time. <laughs> First trick it, if, is to make a list as long as you can, if you can do 50 things, do 50 things, make a list of if there was no budget and you had all the time in the world, what would you do for fun? Okay. I'll, and just I'll do that. All right. I can do that. And we'll go through and figure out how to accomplish some of it. That's a really practical, good tip. I'm going to do that. And what's your funnest place that you've ever visited outside of Scotland? Oh, well, yep. You got me right there. Um, I got to go to Alaska a couple of years ago and it is just so different than anywhere else I've been. We spoke at a women's conference there and I just loved it. And I love, I love being out in nature and hiking and walking and, and we got to do that in kind of a national park where there were frozen waterfalls and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was just one of the best um, weekend travels we've done in a while. So Alaska was a huge highlight. Well, that's cool. Annie, you are fun. I'm not going to lie. This 45 minutes flew by. I, I, I love your tips. They're so practical, but also so much insight and wisdom. 
I'm excited for this call. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. How do Thank people you. connect with you? I know everybody probably already is on. They're going to meet. No, I mean, it's, the truth is I'm just embarrassingly easy to find because I'm the exact same everywhere. I'm Annie F. Downs, F as in fancy. Annie F. Downs is my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook. That's everywhere I am. Um, all the books you could ever dream of finding are at all your local bookstores, including Target, which is very kind, as you mentioned, on Amazon. And then my podcast is called That Sounds Fun with Annie F. Downs, and it's twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. And it's just like this. It's conversations with friends. And so that is those are the best places to find me. And my speaking calendar for the rest of the first half of 2019 is on my website, AnnieFDowns.com. So they can come and hang out with me wherever they are. That's so fun. Well, good. I um, can't wait for people who don't know you to connect with you. And for what it's worth, you're the most fangirl. Like people are always like, what? You know Annie Downs of all the quote unquote famous Christians that I know. So, you're like, she's, you're like, just friends, you guys. Be cool. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not going to take a selfie. If you saw me sneaking a picture of you last time we were together. No. no, no. no you're hilarious. No, it's been Thank fun. You so I love you. And guys, those of you who are listening, if you have questions, prayer requests, as usual, you can always shoot me an email, lena at livingwithpower.org, lena at livingwithpower.org. I love you guys. Catch you guys next week.